Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Today in Science from Wired. The physics of materials at minus 80 degrees Celsius. Pfizer's new vaccine has to be stored at extremely low temperatures. Here's how things work when it gets that cold, by Rhett Elaine. It's a hopeful sign. Pfizer announced that its COVID-19 vaccine could be 90% effective. That could really help us get past this darn pandemic, but there's a catch. The virus is based on mRNA, or messenger RNA. This reads the DNA in the nucleus of a cell and transports the instructions to the cytoplasm where proteins are produced. The problem is that the mRNA is normally short-lived. It either interacts with oxygen or folds onto itself and then doesn't do its job. So if you want to use it as a vaccine, you need to make the mRNA last longer. That means you have to keep it cold. Really cold. The standard storage temperature for these types of vaccines is minus 80 degrees Celsius. Yep, so that means we have to talk about cold stuff. Let's do it. How cold is minus 80 degrees Celsius? Maybe you aren't too familiar with temperature units in Celsius. I hear you. Honestly, there's nothing really wrong with the Fahrenheit unit of temperature, except that I can never remember how to spell it. The advantage of the Celsius unit is that it's easier to calibrate. The original method was to use the freezing point of water as 0 degrees Celsius and the boiling point of water as 100 degrees Celsius. However, the value of 1 degree Celsius was later redefined to be determined from the Boltzmann constant, a fundamental constant that gives the relationship between the average kinetic energy of particles and the temperature of a system. If you know two corresponding temperature values in both degrees Celsius and degrees Fahrenheit, you can set up an equation that converts from Celsius to Fahrenheit. You can also use your basic algebraic skills to change this into an equation that takes the temperature in Fahrenheit and converts to Celsius. Here are those two equations. Temperature in Celsius equals 0.556 times the temperature Fahrenheit minus 17.79. Temperature in Fahrenheit equals 1.8 times the temperature of Celsius plus 32. So if you put in a temperature of minus 80 degrees Celsius, you get a temperature of minus 112 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's pretty cold. But here's my favorite temperature, minus 40. There are two great things about minus 40. 
First, you don't have to specify if it's Celsius or Fahrenheit since minus 40 degrees Celsius equals minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Go ahead and check it yourself. The second awesome thing about minus 40 is that it's the temperature on the surface of Hoth from Star Wars 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, maybe not everyone agrees about the temperature of Hoth, but this is the value used on the Star Wars episode of Mythbusters, so I'm going to stick with it. How do you get stuff down to minus 80 degrees Celsius? The simplest way to get something cold is to put it in thermal contact with another object that's even colder. But you might not be able to find something colder than minus 80 degrees Celsius, although there is one option that I will get to in a little bit. That means you have to use a different cooling method. Probably the most common refrigeration method is the same one your refrigerator uses. You can understand how this works with a very simple demo using a rubber band. So, go get one. Okay, you have your rubber band, hopefully. Take it and stretch it with your hands and keep it stretched. Now, touch the stretched rubber band to your lip, which is very sensitive to temperature changes. You should be able to feel the rubber band is warmer than room temperature. Don't let the rubber band relax, just keep it stretched for a little while, 30 seconds at least. It should cool off back down to room temperature. The next part is the best. Finally, let the rubber band return to its normal length. Touch it back to your lip, and you can feel the rubber band is now cold. So here's what happened. Stretching the rubber band makes it warm up. If you just let it return back to its original length right away, nothing interesting happens. However, by letting the stretched rubber band cool down to room temperature, it still decreases in temperature when it returns to its relaxed state, but now it ends up colder than the room temperature. This is exactly what a refrigerator does, except not with rubber bands. Instead, it uses some type of liquid gas called a refrigerant. There are many different chemicals you could use here. You could start with the refrigerant as a gas and compress it until it becomes a liquid. This compression makes the refrigerant warm up. The next step is to let the compressed refrigerant cool off on the outside of the refrigerator. Now you can put the refrigerant inside the fridge and let it expand back into a gas and it cools off, much colder than room temperature. That's how you keep your food cold. But what's different about the minus 80 degree freezer for vaccine storage? It turns out that it's pretty much impossible to get the inside temperature of the freezer down to minus 80 degrees Celsius with your normal refrigerant. Instead, you need two sets of refrigerants. It's sort of like a freezer inside of a freezer. The outer freezer is pretty much like the one in your kitchen. The inner freezer uses a different refrigerant, maybe isopropyl alcohol, so that when it's compressed, it can cool off inside the normal freezer. But having two compressors is what makes these more expensive. Oh, do you want to see one? There's a picture on Wired's website that's the freezer in the biochemistry lab at Southeastern Louisiana University. Check it out, and then you'll know what one looks like. Dry ice. I told you there was something you might be able to find that was at minus 80 degrees Celsius, and it's dry ice, solid carbon dioxide. To make dry ice, you start with carbon dioxide gas. This carbon dioxide gas is then cooled and compressed into liquid carbon dioxide. Then, when the liquid carbon dioxide is removed from pressure, it turns into a gas again. But this phase transition also decreases the temperature and gets it cold enough to freeze at minus 80 degrees Celsius to become a solid. But solid carbon dioxide does some weird stuff at atmospheric pressure, a pressure of 1 atm. When it warms up, it goes straight from a solid to a gas without first becoming a liquid. 
This is called sublimation. I mean, that's weird. Since it doesn't turn into a liquid, it's not wet. Yes, that's where the name dry ice comes from. Can H2O do this too? Yep. We like to think of the freezing and melting point of water as being at some set temperature, but it's not. It also depends on the pressure. So it helps to make a plot of temperature versus pressure for different chemicals. We call this a phase diagram. On Wired's website is a phase diagram of what H2O looks like. There's a lot in that diagram, so let me point out some important things. Take a look at that horizontal dotted line. That's the line that corresponds with atmospheric pressure. That's the pressure we live with on the surface of the Earth. If you look at the graph on the left side along the dotted line, this would be cold stuff, and the water would be a solid. We call that ice. At point A, the temperature is 0 degrees Celsius, and this is the temperature of a phase transition from solid to liquid. Point B is at 100 degrees Celsius, and that's the phase transition from liquid to gas. But what about point C? That's called the triple point. If you reduce the pressure, you can have solid, liquid, and gas phases all at the same time. For water, this is at a temperature of one-tenth of a degree Celsius, with a pressure of six-thousandths atmospheres. It's pretty cool. Check out the video link on the website as well. You can also see how carbon dioxide is different by looking at the phase diagram. It looks like the picture on Wired's website as well. If you look at the dotted line for a pressure of one atmosphere, it's now below the triple point. That means that a solid will make a phase change straight into gas. That's the dry ice thing. But if you increase the pressure up to about five atmospheres, you can get solid carbon dioxide to make a phase transition into the liquid phase. As a bonus, I'm going to show you this liquid carbon dioxide. Here's how you can do it. Put dry ice into a plastic container that is sealed at both ends. I'm going to use a clear plastic drinking straw. As the dry ice warms up, it changes into a gas, as dry ice likes to do. However, this carbon dioxide gas has nowhere to go, and this increases the pressure inside of the straw. Eventually, the pressure gets so high that liquid carbon dioxide is formed. But ultimately, the pressure gets too high, and the straw explodes. It's not a big explosion, it's just a straw. You can check out the video on our website. I just think this is really cool. Usually, when you have liquid carbon dioxide, it's in a metal pressure tank and you can't actually see it. Well, at least, I had never seen it before I did this experiment. But what about the COVID-19 vaccine? Yes, this is the logistical problem that's facing us right now. It's going to be quite difficult to ship and then store the vaccine so that it can be distributed. This is going to take a combination of the ultra-cold freezers and storage in dry ice. But either way, it seems as though we really need a vaccine to get past this pandemic. Like any hero, it needs a sidekick, which, in this case, is super cold refrigeration. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.